Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area, beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this blustery December 29th, 220 day. In today's podcast, we'll be going, we'll be picking it up where we left off, and so we'll be starting uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a great comforting chapter. It lets us know where we go when we die, what we wear, and the universal fact is is mentioned here that you will be held accountable for everything that you have done, what's in your heart, your thoughts and intents. But first, this podcast and the Companion Chapel Worldwide Ministry is brought to you by your generous donations. Go to companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Now, please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Scott teaching us through Paul. For we know that we are earthly house of this... We are... For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What Paul is saying is like, when you die, this body dissolves. It's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. This word dissolves actually means loosens down, like into the soil, it disintegrates. And that's where your body goes. Like who wants it anymore anyway? It just... Paul goes on to describe more here. We have another house. Like instantly, we're in our spiritual body, in a house made by God, not made by hands of mankind. Two, for in this we groan. He's talking about these flesh bodies. And yeah, we groan. These flesh bodies are in constant need. Nourishment, warmth, clothing, relief from sun and the cold. We, uh, We have to work these vessels this is our temporary house of our spirit and our soul. And uh, just remember, as Paul was saying throughout the, the book of Corinthians, first and second, that the flesh body is not to be used as an amusement park or worship in, worshipped in vain vanities. Like, um, and tone it down. Okay, so this is, this is our temple right now that we're in, these flesh bodies. So, for in this we groan aches and pains, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our house, which is from heaven. But, you know, what Paul is saying is like, we have things to do here first, and to get our clothing, that's our righteous acts. Uh, Number three, if so, be that being clothed, we should not be found naked. Okay, refer to Revelation chapter 19. Your righteous acts, your works, your deeds are your clothes in heaven. Four, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Kailat said here, again with the groaning, being burdened. You think about Paul, and just think about he went from town to town, and he wasn't staying at the Hilton everywhere he went. He was like, he didn't even take any money from his teaching. Because he had this guilt trip he put on himself that he used to persecute the church. But now he's a teacher and he doesn't want anybody slinging malicious gossip that he's trying to, you know, get a, get a bank account full of shekels or whatever they had back then. So, but he was burdened and he didn't mind it. 
but he, he doesn't not talk about it, that he was almost killed. He was homeless, basically. He had to sleep outside or wherever he could sleep. He didn't walk into town looking for the best place and looking for a party. He went in there to teach the Bible, and that was his whole job, and he recognized his gift, and he did it with zeal. So we don't want to be unclothed when we go to heaven, and mortality will be swallowed up of life. And this word life can't be overread here. This word life in the manuscripts is zoi. And this word life means the activity of life. It involves resurrection life and eternal life. And never forget, life is the gift of God. And I can't help but saying, people that have studied a little bit more in depth, Zoe is the word in Revelation that identifies the four living entities that surround the throne of God. It's always it's translated beast in there, and that is a, that is just such a unfortunate translation. Uh, the same entities that surround the throne of God were described in Ezekiel in chapter one and chapter four. They're living creatures. They're cherubims. It's it's activity of life. Like, we don't just go to a hole in the ground and that's all she wrote. And we don't linger in a hole in the ground either. And Paul's going to explain this up uh, in the next bunch of verses here. Five. Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also have given us, given unto us the earnest of spirit. Okay, this needs some work here. Let's just say, let's go to the manuscripts and say, now he that hath called us, to perform, to, to perform your gift. He gave us all a gift. He wants us to perform it. And this, the, for, for God, for the many-member body of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who also have given us the, uh, let's say, pledge and security of the Spirit. Okay? And that's a comforting verse right there. But this gets way more comforting. Watch this. Six. Therefore, we are always confident that means we're bold, undoubtful. We have comfort knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Okay, so right now we are bound by the perimeters of being human and our spirit and soul is in these flesh bodies. But there's, there's a comfort there. Watch this, seven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Fair enough. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This this could read, this should read, from absent from the body, from this flesh body, instantly we're in present with the Lord. Instantly we, we meet our maker. And that's great comfort. We're not down or our relatives aren't down at the cemetery, you know, sitting there tapping on the sides going, hey, excuse me, can I get an internet connection here? Can I get some hydro down here? No second in the split second that you leave your flesh body and if you've ever been around somebody in the hospital when they've given that little gurgle and that breath you know that spirit and their soul has left that body and they're in great comfort now no more aches and pains no more disease no more aging no more wants of the flesh no more oh this is so hard my aching back and you know oh i'm not eating that or just you know it's just like we're in our spiritual body, present with the Lord instantly. And that's great comfort. A lot of people email me and say, what happens when we die? I'm so scared to die. You shouldn't be scared to die. Nine, wherefore we labor 
that whether a present or absent, we be, may be accepted of him. Okay, we're present or absent from this flesh body. We want to be accepted by him. We don't want to walk around in this age in the flesh body and not have God's blessings, even though we, all of us are overly blessed. 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You will meet your maker, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's not white throne judgment. That's not the end judgment. This is before the judgment seat of Christ is the millennium period. Instantly when you die, you're going to go somewhere. And remember, one day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So people that have passed on, say, a thousand years ago, it's only seemed like a day for them. And they get judged, and we're waiting for us to wrap up the affairs of time here in this age that, okay, finally, the seventh file, seventh seal, seventh trump comes, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, our salvation comes, and we want to be in the good. He is the light, and the light is the truth, and the truth is a great separating force between good and evil, right and wrong, good and bad, and heaven and hell. And you want to be on the right side because you'll be languishing like Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man languishing on the other side. Still full of egotism over there, though. And that's uh, Lazarus and the rich man is from Luke chapter 16, 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. So what Paul's saying here is, just beware. Like God is not going to torment you or beat you with a rod, like it says, or or make you fry like a piece of bacon over there. You beat yourself up when that door is closed and you realize that that you're not allowed in because you're still carrying things in the ways of the world. You're carrying things like blame and regret and pointing fingers and and somehow a lot of people think that oh I can sin and you know. Monday through Saturday, I'm going to sin, do what I want, and then I'm going to uh, repent on Sunday, and then Monday do it all over again. Uh, that's not going to hold it, man, because your repentance isn't from the heart. It doesn't mean anything. It has no value. And Christ made that kingdom for us. He did not compromise with evil. And if God allowed the things in there, if Jesus Christ allowed things in there like jealousy or resent or bitterness or anxiety, possessiveness or hate or disdain, it would be nothing more than a new hell. And that's not what Jesus Christ died for. You'd be marginalizing him saying, I'm a good person. You have your religion. I have my religion. Well, Jesus Christ did not set up a kingdom in vain. He did not lay his life down like that. He did on the cross just for so you could go up there and try and make an excuse and try and negotiate with them. No way. And that would be hell for people that really do repent from the heart and really do have the love of Christ in their heart. So you have to be careful. You write your own sentence. You stamp your own ticket where you're going to go and it starts right now. For we commend not ourselves again unto you but give occasion to glory on our behalf that we may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in their heart. Again, again with the people that are, are wolves in sheep's clothing. 
again, with just having lip service for the Bible. Or have you ever asked somebody a question about it and uh, they'll just say anything. Like they'll just say what they think instead of actually studying the Bible and actually studying God's Word. It's the saving Word. It's your only salvation. It's your only... It's, it's, he's our Savior and that is the only road to salvation you have. And anything else, and it sounds good, a lot of ways of man seem righteous to man but they are the ways of death, and death is just another word for Satan. And in Revelation chapter 6, Satan is death, and he drags hell with him. And he's, it's like a dragnet, and you don't want to be in that dragnet. Uh, 13, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. And what Paul's saying here is sometimes people get really excited. And I'm one of them. I get really excited and sometimes emotional when I find other people that are studying and, and they're part of the many-membered body and, and you just feel like so connected and you feel so good. And uh, some people might think, look at these people. They're beside themselves. Like, what are they even talking about? That's what other people looking in, mockers, and remember mockers, the only power of a mocker is in accusation, never fact. And they always come up with these nifty little one-liners, that's the mocker's way, and the little facts they found on the internet, because if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. And they, they're just spiritually dead. We pray for these people. They're biblically illiterate, but we pray for these people. But they do look on us like, these guys are mad. Look at them, and they're studying the Bible. Like, look at them. You know, and they judge us on material gain. Like, these guys don't have much. Look at us. Look, I'm balling in this, uh, you know, fancy car. And look at my fancy pants. And look at me. I'm just all that in a bag of chips. Whatever. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. That means... Sober just means, like, okay, we're not acting uh, exuberantly. Like, we're acting straight up. And it's for your cause. Like, we'll give you the Bible. We'll teach it clear, like Paul says. And it's it's the saving word of Jesus Christ. And we'll make it simple for you. In that book of Isaiah, it's written, It's this book is written in the common pen. Okay? And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. In other words, you have to acknowledge the overwhelming act the, the act of the most selfless act of love and compassion that anybody could possibly do. We are all unworthy, but Jesus Christ did that for us. He laid down his life on the cross to set up a kingdom of peace beyond our present comprehension where there is no evil, no guile, no malice, no corruption. It's a place of connected peace where we all feel safe. And if you want that for eternal life, and for the thousand-year millennium period, you can have it. And you just have to follow the conditions in this Bible. You can't make concessions for things that you don't like in here or find inconvenient. That's too bad because there has to be a standard. It's an unchanging standard. And mankind is consistently inconsistent. Where the Bible is consistent. You have to ever understand what the Bible is. The Bible is a consistent, unchanging principled standard. It is the reason resolve, the divine reason resolve of a higher power written in the councils of eternity. It, it, this book covers back infinity, present, it covers today, tomorrow, and infinity forward. And it's very simple. As soon as people can get over themselves and, well, I don't think that can happen or I don't understand that. Well, it's time to hushy. It's time to be meek. It's time to let the love of Christ to come into your heart. 
And being meek is an ongoing process, letting go of things and afflicting yourself. That means saying no to yourself in the face of vain curiosities, including the vain curiosities of, you know, I just have a little experience with somebody recently who is hung up on thinking that they have pretty privilege and thinking they're better than other people and wondering why they're getting treated poorly when they go out there. And they developed an insecurity that is just, that's something they've conceived within themselves. And they think they have entitlement because they are, yeah, much better looking than other people according to Hollywood standards. You look at people through God's eyes. And another thing I noticed today, or when I listened to the news briefly, was that people are getting more and more cosmetic surgery and Botox. Like, get over yourself, man. Like, really. That's just an insecurity. God gave you this vessel, and it's about what's inside you. Not not what's outside you. You want to put poison in your face so you look plumper? You know what you look like? I'm telling you, girls. When you get that lip stuff done from the side, you look like Lisa Simpson. Okay? It's fake. And it just means if I'm fake on the outside, I'm fake on the inside. Well, who are we trying to prove it to anyway? Think anybody cares? 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay? That's what being born again is. You let go of everything. You become a new person. Just, you're a new creature. You're a new living thing. Okay? And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, that's right. Because we all sin, because we've all compromised with evil, we all got ourselves into this situation um, before. And for the deeper student, you know that we all looked upon Satan, that gorgeous entity made in the full pattern of beauty, and wisdom and he looked at us and he put these thought patterns into our head and that we have to rid of them and we have to rid of them and the only way is to go through the matrix once born innocent of woman and to understand and experience it in real life the evil all the evil in the world is perpetuated by the human heart and the ideals come from an adversary satan outside the word of god outside of the place of peace beyond our present comprehension where there is no love out there the love of christ doesn't exist in the world except in individuals hearts and as a community a many member body we can come together and perpetuate that and be an example and that's what's being said here to reconcile himself to to us to himself by jesus christ there has to be a reconciliation. There has to be a recompense. There has to be a payment made for the sins that we did. That's the ways of the universe. That's the way it is. If there wasn't, if Christ did compromise with evil, then what would we have? Nothing to look forward to. It'd just be another earth like this with human suffering beyond our comprehension. You can shelter yourself all you want from it and say, oh, everything's okay. It's all right. We can be all right. It's one thing after another. And like, how many people are suffering at other people's expenses in the double-blessed nations. Ephraim and Manasseh, double-blessed and forgetful. That's us over here, Canada, United States, Great Britain. Okay, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There you go. You have to reconcile to God by paying homage to God, by submitting yourself with unquestioned obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't remember your sin. This is the difference between mankind and 
our Father, our God. God puts the sin. When you have a change of heart, when you repent and you mean it, and you ask for forgiveness, that sin is blotted out. But God remembers human frailty. God understands human frailty. Humans, on the other hand, they'll hang on to stuff to the bitter end. Well, what about back then? What about 13 years ago when you did this? And what about, you know, and they'll make up stories and conceive them inside them and it'll give them anxieties and worries and fears because they don't consider human frailty. And that's how you get over things. When someone does something bad to you, you you repent to God and you say, God, I'm sorry that all this happened. Even though you're 100% the victim, you say, I understand human frailty. I'm not going to get in that situation again. I'm going to try my best. If you were a child, bad things happen to good people and you have to get on and serve the Lord. And remember, that person is held accountable for that. And God's seen that if you're going to continually blame all through your life and hold on to it, or if you're going to say, okay, this is just my flesh body. It's a horrible thing. What happens? It's the flesh bodies. Like people use flesh bodies for terrible things. Human beings look upon other human beings as their banking system. Uh, human beings looking on for their amusement park pleasure type of things in the world of sensual lust, which is a disgusting prison. Looking upon others to, for gratification. No. Okay, so... You have to understand. Think about human frailty. God forgives. This is a time of reconciliation to God. And that person that did the bad things, he has to account for it. Or she or whoever. And that includes people getting rich or making personal gain off other people's misery. At other people's expense. You can't sit there and have your feet up in a, in a five five-room house or three-bedroom house with two cars in the driveway going, yeah, fine, retired, yeah, look at the money coming in from my investment portfolio. Is it at the expense of others somewhere in the third world? When that person dies and you die and you will die and you will meet your maker as it's written here, you appear before the judgment seat of Christ, you're both going to be standing there. Hey, what about this guy over here, money bags? Right? Like you were getting rich at, at his expense. You better do something about that. Give the money to God Make sure you take care of yourself. The basic necessities is all you need. Okay, let's go on. Let's talk about reconciliation. You're going to have to reconcile, and you want to reconcile before you die, or it's a thousand years, and you can hang out with Lazarus or the rich man, and hanging out with the rich man is going to be no cakewalk. And you don't wish that on anybody. We pray all come to repentance. Okay, verse 20. Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Okay, ambassadors. And the word ambassadors means, the word ambassadors here means we represent, we're representatives of God's kingdom to the lost citizens of the world. Okay, so that's what we represent. And we have to use our gift. If your gift is of teaching, then get a many member body to gather around you. If your gift is of social media and you can get podcasts out and you can get the word of God out, then God expects you to do that. He doesn't want to see you sitting on uh, on Facebook for f four hours a day, constantly looking at your notifications. Like he wants you to use your gift and you're going to have to be, you're going to have to reconcile to God why you wasted so much time shopping on Amazon or or just sitting there on the computer reading or on your phone just reading little snippets, little 30-second snippets of news and interesting factoids that add up to nothing. Like, who cares about that stuff? You have to think about your eternal soul. You have to think about giving back. God's ways of gain are by giving. Satan's ways 
of gain are by taking. And Satan will take all your time in vain activities and get you thinking about things that are morally corrupt, that seem that, that are passed off as the new normal nowadays. Barnyard behaviors passed off as the new normal. And God hates it. It's abomination. Uh, eating pork is passed off as the new normal. God hates it. It's an abomination to God. He said, don't do it over and over in the Bible. Don't eat pork. Don't eat pork. It's an abomination. Christ came not to change one jit or jot of the laws or the prophets. And somehow somebody pulls it out of the book of Acts. Hey, we can eat pork here. No, you can't. It's not even implied in there in any language I've ever read the Bible in. And I don't even know how they get it out of the English, English language just because everyone else is doing it. Well, what other vain curiosities do you just go because everyone else is doing it? Who knows? Like this, be strong, be steadfast in Jesus Christ as it's saying, and be reconciled to God and bring people with you. Try and spread the word. Have it on your face. Shine. I am a man, woman, or child of my Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see it on people's face. You can see the love is in their heart and compassion. They're not pointing fingers or blaming or looking to tattletale. They're looking to enrich people's lives everywhere they go. And these people are part of the many-membered body. 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, for who knew for who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God in him. Okay, Christ didn't sin, and that's what's being said here. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Every one of us compromised with evil. Every one of us has iniquity inside of us, and we constantly have to repent and give homage to the Lord at what he did. The most selfless act of compassion and love beyond our present comprehension. He did that for all of us. He did that for you as an individual. And every time that you sin, every time you just say, oh, <clears throat> I'm just going to go do what I want, this vain curiosity, then I'm going to repent after, you are spiking his hands to the cross over and over again. And he's looking at you like, why are you doing this? It leads to disappointment. It leads to failure. It leads to anguish. And it's going to lead you straight to hell. And nobody wants that. We are not going to be sitting up there in heaven, the people on the heaven side, and pointing fingers at the people in hell. They are their own rod of iron. We're not going to feel any satisfaction for, about that. We're not going to feel any heightened sense of elation whatsoever. We're going to feel compassion. And we're going to be looking at those people. Come on, you guys. Let go of the stuff you're hanging on to. We want you to come over into the heaven side. Yeah, you did bad things to me in the flesh. You ripped me off or you physically abused me or you're just a nasty person. It doesn't matter. So what? It doesn't mean nothing. You let go of those ways of entitlement, of your egotism, thinking you're better than others, and we'll be sitting there in heaven, hopefully in a really nice lawn chair with a milk crate for an ottoman, and comfort, and watching these people, and we're going to be going, come on, you guys. We want you to come to this side. We all want to sing for joy to our Father again, all of us. It's going to bring us no satisfaction watching you suffer like that over there and your the rod of iron is that is something that you beat yourself with god provides it for you all the ways of man seem righteous unto mankind but when you're sitting over there in hell and you realize all oh, these ways weren't righteous these were ways weren't good and you still can't get over yourself you still think oh i'm a good person you're so full of egotism and there's so many people that can get saved from that side once they realize hey Look at those guys over there. We don't think we're better than you if we're on the good side. We don't, we don't want to see you suffering. 
That's just a myth that Christian people put forth. Yeah, or you're going to fry like a piece of bacon over there, and we're going to be watching and going, yep, good, good. Little Johnny, no, little Johnny, we told you not to do that in the woodshed. Stop it. You know, no, we're going to be praying. Let go. Get out of those prisons of sensual lust. Get out of those prisons of blame. Be humble. Be meek. And be disciplined in the Lord so we can all sing together. God made us for his glory, for his joy, for his pleasure. Are you pleasing to God? There's no concessions to be made. I love you very much. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast and pray for everybody. I pray for everybody equally. And thank you very much. Have a great day and bye for now.